Hello. Thank you for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live podcast. Each week, we try to bring interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. In this episode, we talk with Huntsville attorney Ron Sykstus. Ron is an attorney who handles a multitude types of cases, including bankruptcy, consumer fraud, and veterans' rights cases. Ron is an interesting fellow who also has his own podcast. I enjoyed being on his podcast a few months ago, and he returned the favor most recently. We had a great discussion. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode of Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review, and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. I think we're live now. Good morning, everybody. This is Bernard Nomberg with Nomberg Law Live. We come to you every Tuesday at 10 o'clock, and I've got my friend, attorney from Huntsville, Ron Sixtus, with us. Good morning, Ron. How are you doing, my friend? Bernard, appreciate you having me. Absolutely. I uh, I know we were just talking off offline before we came on about the weather's just been so horrible around here, but I know that at least my experience in Alabama, you could have all four seasons, not within a week, really within a day sometimes, 24, 48 hours. So I hope you guys are a little bit dry today and, and we don't have any issues. Well, that's right. So we're about an hour and a half north of you by car. And, uh, you know, so we get a little bit more of that Tennessee weather or the Southern Tennessee flavor. So it's a little colder, but, um, but yeah, it's really been inclement these last several days. I'm really, like you, I'm sick of this. I'm ready for baseball season and the spring to come on, but but knowing around here, we're gonna have a few more weeks of some just, you know, unpredictable uh, weather. Uh, <laughs> you and I met, say again? I, I think I mentioned to you, so I am a diehard, lifelong Cubs fan, born and raised in Chicago. So, yeah, springs, you know, uh, you know, spring is eternal, if, if, as it were. And uh, that's right. Well, I told right. And you guys and you guys have the new uh, minor league uh, club, the Trash Pandas. I, I, and I know there's been a lot of buzz. The, the Trash Pandas are right on uh, 565 between Madison and Huntsville. It's technically located in Madison. And uh as my understanding is they, the stadium will be finished in about within a month, maybe a certificate of occupancy. I have a buddy who's doing the construction on it should be issued within, within a month. And, um, but yeah, I think the seats, I think everything is sold out for the season. If you can believe that. I, I can, I passed by the stadium the other day. I had a deposition in Huntsville and I just admired it from the road as a rent, as a scooted by on 565. I'm looking forward to coming to a game or two. If you can get a ticket. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Ron, you and I met sometime in this last year. I've been aware of your podcast, Next Lawyer Up, and you've had lawyers from all over the state and other places, and I really admire the work that you're doing, and, and I appreciate being a guest several months ago. And before we dive into all those good things, tell us a little bit about your background and your law firm in Huntsville and, and get to know you a little bit. So, yeah, I'm located here in Huntsville. And uh, I'm originally from Chicago, 
And uh, I was a lawyer in the Army right out of law school. The Army had paid for my undergrad, so I owed them four years, gave them years. And um, I told the Army when um, the Army's the largest employer of lawyers in our country. I don't know if you know that. So in the, the Army's JAG course, so they have one lawyer whose specific job for his or her tour is to assign lawyers worldwide. So, and you submit your dream sheet. So I submitted five spots. And um, it was a lieutenant colonel at the time, real nice lady. So as I'm talking to her, I'm like, hey, I want to get stationed at Fort Huachuca, Arizona. I went to uh, undergrad in Arizona. A bunch of my Sigma Chi fraternity buddies and I were going to recreate college, so which I was really looking forward to. So I get my orders, and my orders say assigned to headquarters, Fort Bliss, Texas. So I'm looking at the orders, and I, and I call her, and she's, again, a lieutenant colonel. I'm a lowly lieutenant. And I'm like, hey, man, there must be some mistake. I, I've got these orders for Fort Bliss, Texas. That's nowhere on my dream sheet. I don't know anything about Fort Bliss and don't want to go there. She goes, oh, Lieutenant, that's the closest we could get you to Fort Huachuca. And it's four hours by car. So my college dreams, you know, dissipated quick. But so I met my wife there. My wife is originally from Alabama. She was working as a dietitian out there. and And all the lawyers from the army ended up living in the same place she was living there so we met she had no desire to go back to chicago so i ended up so i was uh, a practice in fort bliss texas as a prosecutor for a couple of years and then we got a job or i got a job at uh, fort mcclellan um which is uh, you know in aniston uh covering all the criminal defense for all the soldiers in the state at uh, mcclellan and at redstone so that's kind of how i ended up here and I've joined Bond and Bodice right out of my honorable discharge out of the Army and been there ever since. So from, from a longevity standpoint, I think I've been here with Bond and Bodice for 25, 26 years, whatever it is. I don't like to count as I, as I get older. None of us do. What type of work do you do at the firm, Ron? Sure. So now um, our practice or my practice is concentrated uh, consumer bankruptcy, consumer law, which are I kind of put that under the rubric of collection harassment. Sounds like we may have lost Ron for just a minute and hopefully he'll come back on. I want to tell you if just for what we wait on Ron to come back, he's got a great podcast. Ron, are you there? I think I'm here. Can you okay, see? I can hear you just fine. You were telling us what type of work consumer bankruptcies Consumer issues, collection harassment cases under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, credit report issues under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Uh, we do Social Security disability, VA disability, which is kind of one of my babies since I did it for so long uh, while in the Army, and also security clearance issues, any type of security clearance issue. Well, that's the two of those. We we could talk about each of those for the next hour or so, but we don't have that much time. So I kind of want to narrow it down to really two areas that I know that you guys handle so well. Uh, one being the security clearance uh, issues, because not many people know what that's about. And then the other dealing with consumer bankruptcies. And let's stick with the bankruptcies to start with. I know there's different types of chapters. I don't practice that kind of law. I have a couple of local friends who do all of that and they're so specialized. 
So if you could just kind of give us a broad stroke for people who, who are unfamiliar with how bankruptcy works and why the different chapters operate the way they do, that I think that'd be very helpful for folks. And in a nutshell, and not to bore folks, I mean, the, I'll talk about four types. So there's a chapter seven, which is straight bankruptcy. And really that's the mechanism to get rid of notably unsecured debts like credit cards, signature loans, medical debt. Um, uh, then there's chapter 13, that's a, a different type of bankruptcy. It's essentially the debt consolidation or the payback plan where you can, if you're behind on a mortgage, you can catch up your mortgage so you don't get foreclosed on. If you're behind on a car, you can pay off the car so you don't get it repossessed. You owe back taxes, student loans. You know, why you would do one versus the other kind of depends on your situation, uh, family size, family income, family expenses. There's this thing that I'm not a, not fond of and no bankruptcy lawyers are called the means test. And they look at uh, what your family income is for your family size compared to what the IRS says the median expenses are in your, or median income is in your state. And if you're over this threshold, for, so for instance, for a family of one, one person, it's about 43,000 and some change. So if your gross income is above that, you do not, per se, you don't qualify for a chapter seven. So again, why you do one over the other kind of depends. There's also issues if you previously filed a seven versus a 13. Again, what I tell folks with bankruptcy, it's a very generous law as long as you're honest. You have to completely disclose everything as far as your finances, all your debts, your assets, expected assets. Like, you know, I know you do a lot of workers' comp and personal injury. Workers' comp, fortunately, is 100% exempt, but personal injury cases are not. But you better disclose it in your bankruptcy. And if you don't, as you know, I'm sure you've run into this, and, and hopefully uh, you haven't, but. Um, you know, where it's not disclosed, now the case can get knocked out because you weren't honest on your bankruptcy petition. And Ron, that's one of the first questions we ask initial clients. Do you have any other cases such as bankruptcies going on? And we try to get that information to make sure we communicate with that lawyer in case they need to know what we're doing. So absolutely. It's, it's a huge deal. So, you know what I tell folks too, with, here's kind of our, our I guess the bond and bodice view. I mean, it's kind of, been formed after you know years and years and years of doing this. We've probably done this for 425 years, and we've got thousands and thousands of cases under our belt. So we've kind of we'd like to think we've seen it all. And if there's a question that we can't answer, here's kind of our view. Then that's a way novel question, right? I mean, if we can't answer, and I don't say that that we're you know not that we're superhuman, but we've seen it all. So if it's well, that. Know. And Ron, it's, it's like I tell our clients, this may be new to you, the injured worker, but it's not new to us. We've likely seen everything or dealt with everything that you're dealing with. But I want to ask you, Ron, a lot of people get extremely nervous. They, they get very stressed out when anybody mentions the potential or the need for bankruptcy. And what's the worst thing that someone can do when they're thinking about this or not do before they come to you? So by you saying that, so I'm on a radio show every week up here, and I kind of talk about this all the time to, to the point you just raised. People will talk about any other intimate aspect of their life before they'll talk about their debts or their financial worry, fair? 
is it a a maybe it's a source of embarrassment or they feel i say that from the context i mean really people worry about stuff i mean you worry about deaths i mean frankly it's the number one cause of divorce right all other aspects of your life and you know in fact i had a real good friend approach me two days ago same context embarrassed to talk to me but i'm like listen I mean, there are options. So kind of you ask what's the worst thing you can do is put your head in the sand, right? And then wait till, you know, here's a, here's a judgment or here's a lawsuit. Well, you get a lawsuit against you. If it's over a credit card or signature loan or medical that you're gonna lose, right? You can't, chances are you don't have a defense and I'll leave that for a different day. You may have a defense if it's a third party debt buyer where they can't prove right. their, but, but generally you're probably gonna lose you lose, you now have a judgment against you. And as you know, a judgment to me is one of the worst things in the world. You get a judgment against you now, they can do several things with it. They can take and garnish 25% of your take home pay. Um, they can garnish your bank account. They can put a lien against your house. So that judgment lien is good for 10 years. It grows at 12% interest per year. And it's renewable, you know, wonderfully for another tax. So it, it haunts you, you know, at some point you'll finance or sell in all likelihood with interest. And you're going to pay that full judgment lien plus interest. So it's horrible. So you don't, you know, my view is we all of our bonded bogus offices and we're throughout the state and every city you can think of. Um, and, and if not, we're close to, to where anyone lives really. Uh, come in for a free consultation. We talk about that. There's no charge. Come in. You don't like what you hear, we shake hands. A lot of our offices have cookies and a water bottle. That's, that's uh, on us, you can take one and walk out the door, you don't have to do anything. And it's confidential and private. You'll meet with myself or one of our licensed lawyers. Let's just look at your situation, know your options, um, you know, know what you can do. Um, we have a book out there that we provide free to our clients, our retained clients, but you can, it's available at Amazon. I think it's, you can find it for nine, 10 bucks, maybe 14 bucks, I don't know, but it's called bankruptcy. We wrote the book on it. You don't wanna do that. Look at our website, it's bondandbotus.com. It's B-O-N-D-A-N-D-B-O-T-E-S.com. Go to our blog. We've probably got 2,500 individual blog posts there of every conceivable topic you can think of. So. Do your research, kind of know what you're, you know, you you have one, two, three, four concerns, address them at least, you know, just with yourself and then come in and talk to us for a free consultation. Ron, I just put the link in the show notes to the Amazon, the Amazon link to the book. So people okay. who are interested in it can, can just click on the link and, and go check out the book. The other thing I was going to say, you know, the, let me say, Bernard, I'm not pushing that. A lot of people can just find a lot, all that information just at our website, and there's no charge to do that. Poke around, go to our blog, and we even have a search bar there. You type in whatever your question is. For instance, garnishments. Type in stop garnishments. Type in you know foreclosure. Anything you're concerned with should be able to be addressed at that blog. And I just found, I think I found, let me see. I'm going to put the also the location to the uh, your website on the show notes as well so people can reach out to you guys hey, Art, why don't you uh the link to your podcast i forget which number you are you're in the 60s i think but uh why don't you link to that i really enjoyed talking to you uh, on our podcast
So I thought that was very good. And I think uh, your listeners, uh, your viewers might enjoy that. Well, thank you. That's uh, it's a lot of fun for me as, as well. The other thing I was going to say about bankruptcy in general, yes, it, 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 for the most part, has a stigma of being very embarrassing for most people. But I wonder if people also equate that to maybe they have failed at doing something in life. And the approach with whether it's bankruptcy or other things in life, sometimes there are things that you create your own problems. I get that. You create your own need to be in bankruptcy. But other times there are things completely out of your control that just get to the point where now you need to discuss with a, an experienced attorney in bankruptcy to deal with those issues. So I don't know if there's a way, but it sounds like from what you're telling me, you're, you guys do such a great job of when you're counseling your potential new clients that you know things happen sometimes, but we need to be proactive in protecting what our situation is. Is that a fair, fair analysis or a fair statement about that? We're all human, and to your initial point, yeah, everyone's embarrassed. You, people feel like, hey, I failed. But, you know, when I hear that, it kind of drives me a little wild because I'm like, listen, you had a job loss. You went through a divorce. You, you know, things happen. And, you know, it's not like, believe me, and it's the very, very rare, super rare. And it maybe has only happened twice to me in the last, you know, 20, 25 years where someone was buying multiple Rolexes. Okay, well, that's not prudent. Someone <laughs> was going, you know, once a month. Not prudent. But that's so rare. People are trying to take care of their families. Believe me, the, the credit card debt is a lot of Walmart buying your, your, you know, your sort of your family needs, your food, you know, you know, and people get into a tight spot. They're trying to take care of their family. So, so really, I, I understand the embarrassment aspect, but you also, you know, I always tell folks, so, you know, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, and I'll get into the credit in a second. So Deuteronomy says creditors shall forgive their debtors every seven years. And that's really when you kind of extrapolate it out, that's why the fair, that's in the Fair Credit Reporting Act, right? Bad credit's on your credit report for seven years, courtesy of Deuteronomy, right? So no one, you know, the Bible preaches forgiveness and forgiveness of debt specifically, and that you're not supposed to charge usurious interest rates. So for instance, I have folks that, you know, it's one thing that if you have a 6% loan and you can't pay it and you're struggling and now you're gonna file bankruptcy on it, that's not what happens. That 6% loan magically, if you're lucky if you got a 6% loan, but let's assume is it is 6%, believe me, with all the default. That uh, must be Ron's connection. <laughs> Low Wi-Fi. I think he's coming back now. There you go. Um, so, um, uh, so what I was saying is it, it uh, these loans balloon up to 20, 25% interest. You're never going to pay that. And from a credit standpoint, and here's probably if I say nothing else important today, it's this. I always tell folks, you know, people like, well, bankruptcy is going to hurt my credit or kill my credit. Yes, if your credit's perfect, if it's absolutely perfect, then you have no business contemplating a bankruptcy. Don't. Work on your debt. Stay current, right? That's the critical thing. Once you start falling behind, your credit's already bad or problematic or shot or negative, you know, whatever, you know. Whatever word we want to put on it. So once you file bankruptcies on your, and this is very important, bankruptcies on your credit report for a period of 10 years. The 10 year period begins as of the date of filing the petition. 
Once you get your discharge, though, I'm telling you, it's Katie bar the door. You're going to get inundated with credit. You've got to be careful. But time heals, and it heals very quickly. And anyone who's filed bankruptcy or is thinking about it or, or knows someone who's filed, we hear this story every day. I had a friend that filed, and now things are wonderful. So, so the point is, and you know, there's so many famous people and that, that there's a paragraph or a, a chapter in my book about famous bankruptcies. So many people have filed bankruptcy. You know, it's not, again, I understand the shame or the embarrassment of a financial, if you want to call it a failing, if that's how people view it, but there are ways out. And I always tell folks, I think your first goal and order of business is to take care of yourself and your family. You know, and then beyond all that, Bernard, there's nothing in the bankruptcy law that says, hey, if things, you know, really hit for you down the road and, you know, God willing, and hopefully they will, you can pay back all your credit. Nothing prohibits you from doing that down the road. Yeah, it's I think the most important thing is, to, as you said earlier, don't put your head in the sand. Address the issues. They're not going to go away. Get to a professional who can guide you through the process. And I think that's such wise advice, Ron. For those of you who are just joining us or catching us on replay, I'm talking with Ron uh, Sixtus, who is in Huntsville with Bond and Botus, and we're talking about bankruptcies. And before we pivot away from that, a related su subject, just on a personal note, Ron, my my identity keeps getting stolen. It seems like every two or three years. It's almost comical at this point. I have a seven-year fraud alert with the three different credit reporting agencies, but it still happens. I got a, a, a Charles Schwab account opened in my name this past week, and, and gosh, they even sent me the credit card that goes with it. So I had to deal with that. And if you could just take, say again. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, all I was gonna say is, can you talk just for a minute or two I know we're not, this isn't bankruptcy issues, but it's somewhat related because it's your credit report. It's it's very important. How do you what what advice do you give to people who need to deal with those issues that they have their identity stolen online? It's a great question. So in our blog post, if you go down under the topics, there's a, a topic called credit report errors or credit report issues, something like that. Go there. And what we tell folks, I've got two specific blog posts there. One is how to fix your credit report from any error. And then I'm going to answer your specific question. How to fix your credit report from any error. I lay it out in excruciating detail. And it's an absolute must follow under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. Um, and also I have a, a separate blog post. How to fix your credit report after a bankruptcy filing. So, so you get your credit reports, but if someone will read that instead of me taking up a ton of your time here and belaboring these issues, um, if someone will read that, it explains it in, in exacting detail. You follow everything I have there, you can get it corrected. Now, your situation is a little bit different with this ID theft. You know, they send you, and there is, a, there is from the FCC, there's a formal ID affidavit, and I'm sure you've already done that, and you probably have to do that every time you get now the Schwab account uh, opened in your name, um, not by you. You put the freeze on. But again, if you kind of follow that, how to fix your credit report, you know, that's how you put stuff in dispute. So if something's coming up, that's the, the second issue, right? You've got this first issue of some scammer out there, which, you know, that's just unbelievable that we have to deal with that kind of stuff. But then if something shows up on your credit, 
there's a way to put it in dispute. A lot of people think simply, well, I'm going to put it in dispute with the company. I'm going to write Schwab. I'm going to write, you know, Citibank or whoever that's showing up in my credit report. You can do that for, you know, until the end of time and you have not done anything. They don't have to change it. You have to write the credit reporting agencies. And in fact, I give in that in those blog posts, the physical addresses for the big three, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Why do we write the uh, physical address? We do it by certified mail or, or the, 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 my client will do it by certified mail return receipt to verify they got proof of the receipt. That's what triggers liability. That's where there's a, a mechanism where they have to investigate it, though whether they investigate it or not is a separate matter. But, but that's the, how the law works under the FCRA. So, again, a ton of stuff there uh, that credit reports uh, a heading under our blog that, that answers a lot of these questions. Ron, and I put a link in the show notes to that set of the blog, that area of the blogs, but I have a, a question from Kenneth okay. in uh, Minneapolis. He asks, can you bring a lawsuit against the Charles Schwab's of the world for allowing those uh, uh, accounts to be opened fraudulently in my name or, you know, someone's name? You can. That's a little trickier. So, so here's how it usually comes up. So. So if, if frauds or if, if Charles Schwab is giving out that information or if there's been a data breach where they've allowed it, yes. I don't know that that's the case. It seems like some scammer is just trying to get a, a, an account in your name in some yeah, form. My, my situation, that's what it is. So, so usually how this comes up is, let's say, you know, pick any, any creditor. I won't pick on one. So any creditor USA has something negative on my credit report. Well, geez, I paid that off or I have a zero balance. It shouldn't be there. So what I have to do is follow the dispute process I laid out. I have to write, let's say it's showing up on my TransUnion report. Also at my website, please pay attention to this. There's specific ways to get your credit report. If you do it wrong, you may enter into binding arbitration, which we as plaintiff lawyers aren't fond of. Uh, because so get it the correct way. And I lay that out at, uh, at our blog post. But um, once you see the error, you've got to write the credit reporting agencies, again, at their physical address and um, mail. They have given 45 days to fix it. They don't fix it, then yes, you, that does trigger liability. You can bring a lawsuit under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, acronym FCRA. Now, whether you bring one right away, I don't like that. I give, you know, they've got to, you've got to give them a chance to do it right. So I like my Write two, three, four disputes. There's also an issue of damages under, as you know, the Spokio case. That's kind of a big deal, um, a Supreme Court case. But, but again, that's for a different topic. But yeah, the, the short answer is yes. It, it does trigger liability if you follow the dispute process. Thank you for that. That's it's just something that I have just grown accustomed to. Most of the time, if I contact like a Charles Schwab or these other entities. They'll t they have told me, like I did this morning, we detected this as fraud. We have shut it down. There is no uh, further breach. We've closed off everything, uh, et cetera. No money has been taken out in your name. So that gives me at least that assurance. Now, the next step is I'm going to get in touch with the credit reporting agencies to make sure it's not reported on there. Um, so thank you for that. That point, I tell folks, make sure you don't, I'll speak to this. Don't get your credit reports online because there is a, if you get to buy them online, 
which you think would be easy and quick and fast, then you enter into binding arbitration. So if you can't, there is something errant on your credit report, you can't sue because you agreed to arbitration. So it's kind of a mess and, you know, Hopefully our country will get that corrected one day, but I'm kind of losing hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ron, let's pivot for our last topic of our conversation, and I really appreciate your time this morning. Let's talk about security clearance. What does that mean? How does it used? Explain what that process is. Sure. So as you can imagine up here in Huntsville, and I'm also licensed in Washington, D.C., in those areas, and, you know, it's a big deal having a security clearance. And in a nutshell, a lot of companies do classified work, government, uh, government uh, employees also, but, but also contractors that the government hires. They will say, we've got these contracts and you can work on them either as a government employee or as a government contractor or a government contracting company, but you have to have access to classified material and that's a security clearance. In a nutshell, there's a confidential clearance or confidential access, so they call it a CAC card. That allows you, that's kind of a public trust, if you will. Um, then there's a secret clearance, probably 90% of what folks have out there are secret clearances. Um, another five to 7% have these top secret clearances, right? And for any of those clearances, that, that's what grants you access classified material. Big question I get, well, can you help me get a clearance? No, I cannot. Um, you have to be sponsored by a company or by the government. They have to say, we're gonna hire you you know, contingent upon you getting a clearance, they put you in for a clearance, you fill out a 127 page SF-86, which is a big, big deal. And, and again, like the other topic I was talking about, if you remember nothing else, make sure your answers are exact. Don't rush it, you be exact. And because if you're not, the government, if they discover you're lying on the SF-86, that's the biggest reason people lose or don't get a clearance. Um, so I've been doing those for a long time. I did them on active duty uh, as a prosecutor. I defended uh, soldiers and officers when they were losing their clearance. So kind of kept my hand in it. And that's, that makes up probably 30% of my practice. So, you know, and I consult with folks on, you know, I'm worried about this on my SF-86 and, and this question or that question. We kind of talk through answers or I've got some issues. How can I address them? So I, I look like I'm in the best possible light. And then also, Bernard, if people have a clearance and they're being denied a clearance or, 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 or they're trying to get one and they're denied or they have a clearance already and the clearance is being revoked by the government because some concerns have been raised, I defend folks on that. Um, so like I said, it's very interesting to me because especially up here for most of the jobs here, um, you know, we're, we're growing like crazy here. We've got 4,000 uh, FBI jobs are coming, and uh, so the growth here is just phenomenal. We're projected to be the biggest city in the state in the next five years. Um, but it's a big deal to have a clearance here. So I always tell folks, you really want to do everything you can to protect it, nurture it, and make sure you know nothing happens. And if something does happen or something's going wrong, I am here for those cases. Um, Again, it's a big deal here. If I wasn't a lawyer practicing up here, I sure as heck would need a clearance to take care of my family like, like I want to. I also noticed you've written several blog topics on security clearance. So I put a link in the show notes to that as well for people who may be interested in, in learning more. Gosh, Ron, yeah, I can... 
you know, to that point, and this is kind of some interplay with, with security clearance and bankruptcy, financial reasons are the number one reason that people either don't get a clearance at the outset or are denied or have their clearance revoked. So address your financial concerns. There's a, there are ways you can do things and you can look at a bankruptcy. Now, what type you look at and why, you know, that's, that's one thing. Kind of a nutshell on that. I'm a huge fan of a Chapter 13. If you look, if you're in a clearance context, you probably don't meet the meet pay with the with the very good paying job you probably have. But also, the government likes to see a plan to pay back the creditors. So that just puts everyone at ease, and it really, you know, for and when I talk to these these security clearance judges from D.C. and the government lawyers that that represent the government where they're trying to pull or deny clearances. Finances are the number one thing. Um, and then, you know, followed by alcohol issues, drug issues. I address all those topics in my blog post. You can look at that at no charge. Look at the security clearances you mentioned at our blog post. Uh, and it talks about all those issues. Well, thank you, Ron. Before we conclude our conversation, I want to welcome, let's see, Melinda, Sierra, Jonathan, and Shane are all watching from different parts of the country. And if you guys have questions, uh, put them in the comments section here and we'll make sure we get them to Ron. Ron, if people want to get in touch with you after our discussion, what's the best way to reach out to you about these issues? They can email me, um, I'll say the email, R-S-Y-K-S-T-U-S. I told you that's a tough name, Bernard. So R-S-Y-K-S-T-U-S at bondandbotus.com, that's B-O-N-D-N-B-O-T-E-S.com. Also at our website in general, bondandbotus.com, B-O-N-D-A-N-D-B-O-T-E-S.com. They go there, they can find my bio, and then it says message me, they can get to me that way. They can also call me, my direct number is 256-713-0221. If I don't answer, leave me a detailed message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And even though you're up in the north part of the state in Huntsville, you guys have offices throughout the state. So really, it doesn't matter where you are. You can still reach out to Ron to get your answers uh, that you're looking for. Yeah, we have offices throughout Alabama, a number of offices in uh, Mississippi, and an office in Knoxville, Tennessee. So we kind of cover a, a broad swath of the southeast. Well, Ron, I really appreciate you giving us some of your time today and your expertise on bankruptcy, security clearance, and credit issues. Uh, thank you, my friend, for, for sharing that with us today. I appreciate your time, Bernard. Thanks for doing this. This is a lot more high speed than my podcast, but uh, I do recommend oh. folks listen to Bernard's podcast that he, he was uh, gracious enough to do with me. And you also learn he was a quarterback uh, at Vanderbilt University, which still impresses me. Well, thank you, Ron, but I'd, I'd, I'm glad you brought up Next Lawyer Up. Before we hang up, please tell us a little bit about your successful podcast that's been going on for quite a while. Well, thanks, Bernard. I appreciate the time today. Can you tell us what is your focus with Next Lawyer Up? What's Who do you have on and what, where do you go with it? Sure. You know, I have just a, a lot of lawyers that have interesting lives or interesting backgrounds. So I have, uh, I think there's 70 up right now. I have two more coming out in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and you know, it's a way for me. So I think you and I talked about this on the podcast or maybe before we started. So 
I like to work through lunch. I know a lot of lawyers do. And if I ever schedule lunch, then what I find is now I got to leave and I got things going on. I'm still busy, so I'm more likely to skip it. So this is a way, it's kind of a concentrated discussion that I have. It's called Lunch Without the Lunch. And we just cover, I like to learn, you know, the, the whole backstory of the lawyer. How do they get to where they are now today? You know, going to law school, it's not, it's not fun. It's, you know, it's a three-year extension beyond college. Unless you're in California, it's the, it's the you know, that's the barrier to entry. You've got to go through this gauntlet. And, uh, and that, I always talk about this to lawyers. And, you know, that first semester of law school is, is pretty jarring and it's pretty isolating, pretty lonely. And, um, you know, my, uh, I think I mentioned my middle son is a second year. Uh, now at Alabama, and when he and I talked, I was like, man, I'm telling you, first semester is everything. After that, it's, you know, I'm not gonna say you can coast a little bit, but that first semester. So, um, but yes, a lot of lawyers, like I had said, have interesting backstories, you being one with your, your uh, gridiron days at Vanderbilt, and uh, again, very interesting. Well, thank you. You've had several of my buddies on in the last year or so, Morris Lilienthal, a while back and most recently David Martin out of Tuscaloosa. What an interesting fellow. Great, great episode. So thank you for doing that. It'll kind of like you practice a real specialized area of law. And you know, maybe that's the way for lawyers. Well, it is the way for lawyers now. You kind of find your niche and you kind of focus on it. I always tell folks, you know, just with bankruptcy, kind of the thing we joke about the more we know about it the more we realize we don't know or the more we realize the issues the problems the interplay with divorce and taxes and student loans and blah 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 you know so it's uh it can get complicated so i find it's good to kind of feel and stay with it well ron thank you again for your time and and i hope that you stay dry we stay dry and we get some sunshine coming our way but guys, this will conclude us for another weekly episode of Nomberg Law Live. As we try to every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, I try to bring you interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And Ron, you're an A-plus, my friend. Compliment, Bernard. Likewise. Have a good rest of your day. Y'all be well. Bye-bye.